everybody, and welcome to Blackhawks on Tap, a Four Feathers podcast production brought to you by On Tap Sportsnet. This is Tony Marchese. I am here tonight with my guy, the birthday boy. Well, not quite birthday boy yet, but will be birthday boy, Ron Luce. Uh, he's going to be celebrating a big, uh, big birthday this weekend. Um, unfortunately, we're not going to be at a Hawks game to celebrate it, but we're going to celebrate a little bit right now. We're going to crack them. Cheers to you, Ron. Happy early Cheers. birthday. Uh, and Thank you, sir. I, I think in some regards, Ron, getting to talk about the Blackhawks closing out a playoff series might be a little better than what we would have seen had we gotten to the UC this weekend. Uh, I don't know if it's the same thing as getting to crack beers in, in real life, but doing it on a podcast might be the next best thing that we get to do right now because we're quarantined. Uh, Ron? Cheers! Happy birthday, my friend. How you doing? Cheers! Thank you, sir. I'm I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, I'm always excited to jump on the mic with you and talk Blackhawks hockey. But as you mentioned, um, getting to talk about a playoff series closeout in Game Six against the dreaded Trashville Cats garbage miss that is the Nashville Predators. Um, I believe Johnny calls them the Mustard Tigers. The Mustard Tigers. That is right. And in, in in perfect fashion, I am I am celebrating this evening with my beer glass. That is the 2010 celebration glass um, of what is to come on the TV broadcast. So um, a good old crack them and let's talk some Blackhawks winning hockey. Cause I agree with you. Had they actually been playing this weekend, who knows what have actually would have happened. Yeah. It could have been very bad as you chugged that beer there. Um, you know, it, again, I go back to what I said with Johnny the other day, if we're not going to get real live, Blackhawks hockey, uh, NBC Sportsnet showing this series um, and all the series in the 2010 Cup run, I think is a great move. Um, I've enjoyed these. I hope you have as well. I think what was it you and uh, you and Pat uh, Kamiski got to break down the Hosa game uh, the other night. Um, uh, Johnny, oh, was Kamiski Johnny, got was it Johnny, Hosa Johnny yeah. and Kamiski. Is this your first one, Ron? This is your first. No, one? Pat. Oh, Pat. Pat and I were on uh, Game Four. Okay, so, so just before the host again. The quarantine has my days just kind of running <laughs> together uh, at this point. Um, yep. I, I don't even know what day it is right now. I just feel like I've been in my house for uh, almost two weeks now, and uh, yeah, I don't even I don't even know what day it is. I'm just gonna be honest with you right there. Um, but we are going to talk about the Blackhawks winning Game Six Western Conference quarterfinals against Nashville, like you said. And, Ron, if we get right into this, most, if not all, of the action in this game came right in the first period. Um, and what a first period it was. Uh, let's just, uh, I'll have you get right into it. Yeah, first period was absolutely bananas. I mean, it was it was constant back-and-forth action, uh, you know, especially with the sped-up gameplay of these, you know, these replays, which is Truthfully, it's kind of nice, honestly. You get the game in a little quicker. Um, but it, you would honestly miss something if you weren't paying attention. <laughs> yes. There were a couple times I walked out of the room to, you know, either get, a, you know, a drink of something or grab a beer from uh, my alcohol stash in my basement. And I'd come back up and I'd be like, what the, what the hell? I was like, who, how did they just score again? And, you know, it was almost that feeling again. It was absolutely wild period. Seven goals in the first between both teams. Obviously, uh, the Blackhawks being up four three at that point, and we'll, we'll get to that you know fifth goal later in the in this uh, in this podcast. But 
yeah, what a crazy just everything, truthfully. Um, you know, back and forth action, tons of, you know, scoring. Marion Hosa having himself a great night with three assists. I know you love that. He, he's your guy. He's your man. Uh, you know, a goal and two assists from both Sharp and Taves in this game. Um, you know, Patrick Kane's goal, which I know we're going to talk about as well, from the neutral zone of all places. Come on. It's absolutely bananas. Uh, just, yeah. That first period was everything you'd ever wanted. Patrick Sharp even went on. Uh, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Blackhawks media outlets, and uh, kind of prefaced this game by saying, like, that first period was crazy and just talking about his experiences there. Um, you know, and rightfully so. I mean, he played 18 minutes of ice time. I think the only, I think only three forwards played more ice time than he did. Uh, and that's you, some of the usual suspects, you know, Hosa. Uh, Taves and actually our our guy in front of the show, Dave Boland. So, you know, crazy, crazy first period, tons of excitement, tons of, you know, power play opportunities for both sides and just it, it, it was bananas. But it, you got your money's worth watching tonight. And just even if you watch just the first period as a Hawks fan and, you know, maybe you had to do some stuff, you know, you got kids or whatever and you got to take care of them, get them to bed. As long as you were able to watch that first period, you enjoyed that game tonight. Yeah, uh, I'll take you through the scoring here real quick. Uh, Duncan Keith. Uh, gets the Hawks on the board with assists from Marion Hosa and Patrick Sharp at 638 in the first. Shea Weber, uh, fuck that guy, um, gets Boosh canoe. Gets the Trashville uh, Predators uh, even uh, at 850 in the first. Assists from Jordan Tutu and Colin Wilson. I mean, we, wow. we uh, yeah, throw some names out there for you. Uh, Name and drop. Then, and then uh, the, the Patrick Kane goal, Ron. Um, assists from Brent Seabrook and Jonathan Taves. Talk about Blackhawks core starting to set things up here. Uh, Hosa, Keith, Patrick Sharp, Jonathan Taves, Brent Seabrook, and Patrick Kane all involved in the first two goals uh, that the Blackhawks scored in this game. Um, you know, and obviously as uh, as Blackhawks fans, and, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and do another little tangent here right after. As Blackhawks fans. At this time in 2010, all six of these guys get involved in a critical closeout game situation early in the first period. In the first 10 minutes, you got all those guys on the board scoring points. Ron, that's just the name of the game for the next five fucking years. Yeah. And that makes so much sense because the next goal that comes, Patrick Sharp at 12.03, with assists from Marion Hosa and Brent Seabrook right again. So you're talking about right here, Ron, the first chance that the Blackhawks have to close something out in 2010. You've got all these guys contributing. This Mm -hmm. is what was important throughout this cup run. All these guys getting on the board. And we're not even done here. Jason Arnett puts two in the back of the net to get Nashville uh, back up and uh, even here, and then look who it is again. At nineteen twenty nine, Jonathan Taves, Patrick yeah. Sharp, Duncan Keith on the assists. This first period right here, Ron. When you look at the names that show up on the score sheet, these are the guys. These mm-hmm. are the guys. You have every single member of that important core that drove these cup runs, getting the job done. Right then, early 
on in the game, setting the tone. That's Blackhawks hockey right there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, 100%, you nailed it. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. Yeah, I mean, at that time, you know, Hawks fans were sitting there watching these games going, wow, what a great group of guys we have right now. And now we're sitting here 10 years later saying, wow, what a great group of truthfully Hall of Famers that was. You know, I would argue, you know, you look at Patrick Sharp's career numbers, he's got a case. You know, Taves is going to be there. Kane's absolutely going to be there. Host is there, no doubt. I honestly think Seabrook has a very good chance of getting there. You know, sure, he didn't have the numbers, but what he was able to do and bring over his career, uh, you know, certainly is an argument at minimum. And then obviously Duncan Keith is, is a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, you know, two Norris trophies, three Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe, an Olympic gold medal. He's done it all. He's like Jonathan Taves. They've done it all. And uh, yeah, just what a what a what an absolute beautiful showing. But can I I just want to, you know, kind of step back for a second and just talk on the depth of this team really quick before we we, we continue on with with recapping, because as I was watching and rewatching tonight and appreciating this game, I remember why every time I think about the the three and six run that I always think this was the best team statistically on paper. Because your top line, a young, very young Brian Bickle getting some time with Taves and Kane when they were still playing together on the same line consistently. Your quote-unquote second line was – they really didn't even have a second line. Honestly, their middle six were just a middle six because one of those lines was Andrew Ladd, fantastic player, our boy Dave Boland, fantastic center, and Christopher Stieg. A very young Chris Versteeg at the time, but still very good Chris Versteeg. 20-goal Chris Versteeg that season. And then your other line in that middle six was the a pair of Slovaks and Marian Hosa and Tomas Kopetsky flanking Patrick Sharp, essentially. Patrick Sharp kind of was a pseudo-center a lot of times, unless it was a draw situation and then they would bring in somebody else. And then your fourth, fourth line was a 20-goal scoring Troy Brower, John Madden, and Adam Burrish. Holy hell. If the oh if this the team, current Blackhawks this had team was an absolute wagon. They're all three of those first lines you talk about here, Ron. Our top I would, line. I would they would go toe to toe with any top line in the NHL Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. This team was a juggernaut, man. There's no better way to say than this team was the motherfucking juggernaut. That's and what we, they were. And we didn't even talk about defense. No, we haven't. We haven't even got there yet. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. I just wanted to point that out. I mean, this was a god. I, I just, it's, it's honestly. I know we, we probably sound like, oh, just reliving the glory days. But like, it's so nice, especially now that you know I'm older. I was, you know, in fairness, I was, uh, you know, I was a, a little middle schooler just starting my freshman year of high school when they won this this cup, and. Um, or excuse me, I was I was a freshman in high school that season. Um, so for me, you know, I was young and I, I was still a very big sports fan and I still remember everything and things like that. But I think now being, you know, 10 years older and, and seeing where the, this franchise has gone now, not been as good recently, it makes me appreciate this 2010 team that much more and watching them and, and having that excitement watching these games at the time when they hadn't won anything yet. And I think that almost made 
every win that much more special because you didn't know what it was like for them to win the Stanley Cup. So as they inched closer and closer, especially for how deep and good this team was that year, you just you kept feeling that sense of optimism and that sense of this is going to be a team. You know, and then obviously they rip everything apart and you, you kind of wonder there in 11 and 12 if they ever do everything anything ever again. And then they magically put together 13 and 15. So it just, this was this was the team, I think, that for, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the fan base really started to return when Rocky took over because that's when I became a fan was right after Rocky took over and, and games be, started be, you know being put on TV again. And Denny Savard was named head coach and things like that. But this 2010 team, this is the team that brought Blackhawks fandom to where it is today. This was the team that cemented that diehard fan base, you know, the crazy diehards in the 300 level, you know, the the constant sellouts like this team defined every single bit of that. And this playoff series win, tying it all back into the game we're talking about tonight. This was just the first step and it would only get better from here. It, it, it just got way better. Um, and despite the changes in goal that took place, too, um, you know, uh, I think Corey Crawford ends up stepping into his own here. Um, Ron, while you're talking, I ran a simulation on whatifsports.com. And I pitted the 2010 Blackhawks versus the 2013 Blackhawks. And uh, what do you think ended up happening? Just uh, just an initial reaction guess here. An initial reaction guess, I'm going to say the 2010 team won an if, is it a seven-game series or just a one game? This is just one game here. Uh, the 2010 team beats the 2013 team by a score of seven to three. Ah, uh, you're 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 right on uh, with the win total, but uh, Miami with the shutout. Oh, over, over the 2013 Blackhawks, so you get goals from Troy Brower, or no, actually, <laughs> uh, Cam Barker, Christopher Stieg, and Patrick Sharp. Uh, Holy we shit. all know what happened with Cam Barker. Uh, but yeah. th- these these are beginning of the year lineups uh, that uh, that we get here um, when we run these right. simulations. Uh, but yeah, three three nothing shutout uh, for the 2010 Blackhawks over the 2013 Blackhawks. Um, you know, it's interesting. I like whatifsports.com. Uh, it's kind of kept me somewhat uh, sane during the uh, during the quarantine period here that we've had. Uh, just running some interesting matchups. I haven't done the. Uh, uh, these Blackhawks matchups yet. Um, I've been doing a lot of baseball stuff uh, on here, but uh, I had to run a quick one right there. It was uh, Niami and Nett versus Corey Crawford. Um, and uh, actually, Corey Crawford had the slight edge and save percentage, 92.6 over 91.2 um, on the year there. So uh, very surprising result. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to actually run this one more time, and we'll just see what happens. Uh, but, Ron, you're right. This, this team was so good. It, it, it just was so good. Uh, there we go again. Uh, two to one uh, in favor of the 2010 team over the 2013 team. Um, goals scored by Ben Eager and Patrick Kane uh, for the 2010 team. Uh, and Love then your, your goal for the 2013 team comes from none other than our guy Andrew Shaw. Um, hey. Right there. But uh, that's not what we're, what we're here for. We're here to break down this this matchup over the Nashville Predators. Ron, uh, let's close this game out with uh, 
with the final goal scored empty net from John Madden, uh, 1952 into the third with assists again from Jonathan Taves and Marion Hosa uh, on the ice there with Mr. Madden. Um, yeah, man, uh, that does it right there. And you're lining up for a handshake and you're heading on uh, to the next round of the playoffs here. Man, yeah. uh, this was this was a good feeling. Uh, you talked a little bit about uh, being a freshman in high school um, when this took place. Um, I can relate to uh, being a freshman in high school when one of my favorite teams actually took a run. That was the Chicago White Sox back in 2005. So I'm a little older than you. Um, this one came for me uh, my freshman year of college. Um, and actually, uh, it, was, it was the year that I had had met my current wife and um i mean 10 we've been together 10 years and i remember watching all these games with uh with at that time my girlfriend um and uh she had no clue what hockey was when we had met in uh in october and we watched that whole season together and uh it was it was really cool to get that first that first playoff victory and she's like how often does this happen and i explained <laughs> to her you know they had been to the playoffs the year before, but it's not a very guaranteed thing. Like this isn't just normal, because yeah. as a Hawks fan, um, you know going back for the you know the last decade before it, uh, the team had all sorts of troubles doing anything, yep. and so yep. you know explaining to her you know what hockey was, how it worked, what the playoffs were, and uh, you know she really caught on to it, and um, it was fun. I just I, I remember life milestones in Blackhawks Stanley Cup runs, um, which is which is pretty cool uh, that I get to do that. Uh, most of my adult life has been based around uh, different Blackhawks milestones, and um, it was really cool that year that uh, my favorite player in the NHL, Marion Hossa, wound up on the Blackhawks. Um, and uh, I just remember, uh, you know, the, the, the first birthday gift that, uh, that Jen ever gave me was a Marion Hosa jersey um, from the Winter Classic, and uh, nice. had that on for that whole entire run. And man, just getting to see him in the playoffs and getting to relive this now ten years later has been such a treat. Um, what a game, dude! Like absolutely, what a game here. Uh, and at that point in time, Ron, I wasn't a big Nashville Predators hater. I feel like this mm-hmm. series, going back and watching it, this is where it started. This is where I started to hate the Nashville Predators. I don't know what it is, and I think this is true of all playoff hockey. I hate every single team that the Hawks have played over the course of all of these playoff series. Those are the teams that I hate more than anything. The Predators, the Blues, the Red Wings, the Vancouver Canucks. Canucks. Mm -hmm. Those are the teams that I hate. Minnesota, I was never worried about Minnesota because I always knew we were going to beat them. But yeah. those 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 series, and you can even throw the Ducks up there. Um, Maybe even the Sharks, too. The Sharks. I, like, those are the things that stick out, and this was really what started my hate for the Trashville Predators was just those, those ugly jerseys they had. Um, one other comment that I want to make on this one, if you did tune into this game tonight, there were so many audio issues. Um, oh, so bad. And it was brutal. Ron, do you remember the audio issues being that bad while we were watching this game back in 2010? I don't. Um, but after reliving that tonight, I 
I, I must have had the patience of a saint because I was legitimately getting annoyed watching it tonight. <laughs> I was getting so annoyed with the broadcast. This was like, this was brutal. Like, you know, it was almost, I don't want to say it was unwatchable because it's still playoff hockey, but it, it was irritating as hell. I mean, it was very tough, especially if you're somebody that admittedly I'm easy. I think I'm pretty easily irritable. It takes a lot for me to get mad, not to get irritable. Um, I was irritated listening to that time. I was just like, this is brutal. Like, I don't recall being the, and, but I, again, I think a lot of it was, you know, at that time with that excitement surrounding that team, you know, I was a newer fan. This was probably like my third, fourth year of true fandom as a Blackhawks fan. So I was just invested. I don't think I cared. You know what I mean? I was just dialed in, watch the game. It is what it is, you know, and just deal with it, you know, but now rewatching it, I don't know how I did it. It was bad. And the other thing, too, um, and maybe this is just going to age both you and I a little bit here, is <laughs> you watch the game. And I remember in, in like, 2010, um, just thinking back, like, if, if you've ever watched classic sports or, like, ESPN Classic or anything, you, you, you go back and you watch some games and you're like, wow, the broadcast style, like, this is old. I know, like, this is this is old here. Yeah, You watch this game, the way the graphics were done – the logo, I don't know if it's the logos on stuff, you know, the old, uh, they, they had a Dominic's thing going on there uh, at one point. I tweeted that one out. Um, just the, the old Bud Light logo all over the place. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the style of uh, the scoreboard at the top. I don't know what it was, but I was watching it tonight, and less so than the first game I watched. But tonight I was really like, wow, this looks dated. This mm-hmm. looks old. I remember... Back when I was watching this, I was like, wow, this looks good, you know, because HDTV was just coming around and, um, you know, like uh, it, it, that was the first HDTV I had because I bought it for for this this playoff run for mm-hmm. my basement, like my own TV. My, my family had one, but this was like the first TV I bought personally myself mm-hmm. was for these playoffs. And I still have it right now. It's in my basement sitting right next to me. Uh, this, I remember watching it and being like, this is great. And then I'm watching this thing today and I'm like, wow, everything just looks kind of dated. It looks kind of old. Do you get that feeling too? I do. I, I got that feeling. Um, oh, what was it? We were giggling about it. I think the one night when we were streaming Chell too, the, was it what the, the, power play was sponsored by it wasn't corona. plumbers 911 yet that's right it was the corona power play and i was like wow i was like i totally forgot about that like i, I you know but i agree i it just like even the old um because this was still before it was nbc sports network it was still comcast sports network at that time it yep. was still csn yep like even the old school csn graphics it's still yeah i still get that feeling of like wow this is you know yeah it kind of it kind of dates us i mean you know there's the kids that were born in, you know, the mid 2000s that kind of were, you know, truly just kids growing up watching all these cups are probably like, you know, wow, that that was old. But like, you know, they probably don't even remember. They're probably watching rewatching these games and like, oh, so that's what it looked like. You know, and, yeah. you know, here's us who are like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. And like, wow, that does look old and outdated. And no, I, I, I think you absolutely hit it on the head, too. It's just it's crazy to relive it all, too. And, you know, and even just thinking about you know, looking at the names and things of, you know, who was on this roster, right? 
Patrick Sharp was, is now an analyst. You know, Burrish is now an analyst. Uh, you know, Bickle's retired. You know, Davey Bowen's retired. Obviously, Marion Hosa, for unfortunate reasons, is retired. You know, Kane and Taves are old savvy vets now. Like, it, you know, and even then defensively, like Sopel, I mean, a guy that we've gotten the pleasure to meet. Uh, you know, he's he's retired and doing great, you know, work on his end. Dunks and Siebes are ancient for hockey years now. You know, Jalmerson's even getting up there in age. He's in his, you know, early 30s. Uh, you know, Brian Campbell now works for the Blackhawks. Dustin Bufflin just went MIA in the NHL this year, and he's 35. Like, even just that alone is like, wow. You know, I, I almost feel like, you know, old man yells at a cloud in a way saying this, but like, just, uh, just like reminiscing on like the good old days of Blackhawks hockey. You know what I mean? Just reminiscing on how good this team was. And, you know, Again, that excitement of it, of not being a saying, oh, well, I'm a Blackhawks fan and they've won three cups in six years. This was, I'm a Blackhawks fan. This is the next best team. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the team that could do it, you know, and just that excitement of, again, it's that excitement of never tasting a championship as a fan, at least in your lifetime for a team that you love. And then when you finally get to that point, like I remember, I remember each celebration. You know, where, what I did the moment that clock struck zero in the last game of the Stanley Cup final in 10, 13, and 15. I had the craziest reaction in 2010. And I think it was because of that pure, just true fandom of, holy hell, we just won the Stanley Cup. I literally remember jumping out of my bedroom, whipping the door open and looking back at the TV around the corner in my room to watch the replay. And they showed the overhead angle, and you saw the puck squeak through Leighton's legs for Kane. And I remember running into my parents' bedroom. And I'll tell you what, I, I am the prototypical stereotype. I don't jump very high. I can't jump very high. Uh, that night, my head touched the ceiling because I was jumping so high, literally screaming, we just won the Stanley Cup. And it just, you know, all over the place and just couldn't handle myself and just an absolute just – everywhere and so i think you know being able to enjoy that but even looking back and enjoying you know i i know johnny's gonna yell at us because we didn't really touch on all the points that he gave us and uh for those that don't know johnny puts together very copious notes for these games and we always appreciate him for that but like you know just even some of the things that uh, you know nowadays i would appreciate this team could do uh you know the kill this year has been good uh, in talking 2019 Blackhawks. The kill was very good this year. They were top 10 penalty kill. Um, bottoms up. Tony's about to crack a new one. Yes, sir. There it is. Um, I'm almost through like the they, forward group. I'm almost through the forward group. Um, tweeted out the uh, the starting lineup before this uh, podcast started, so I'm, I'm trying to make up for lost time. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on, uh, I'm on my third forward as well. Um, you know, our loyal ONTAP fans can actually see um, the first two forwards that I got through tonight, uh, today and probably tomorrow in the form of beer reviews on, on tapsportsnet.com. So make sure to check those out too. But, um, you know, just how they held up over that first wave of penalties, you know, how the power play, you know, was at least generating opportunities early. You know, this was at the time still when the penalty kill and the power play were good and like of quality. Um, you know, and, and just kind of quickly bringing it back a little bit from our, our reminiscing, because this is actually something that that Johnny brought up that I do want to talk about, because I think this is really interesting. You know, obviously that big Nieme save on the redirect late helped a lot. 
Uh, Taves's effort on that Madden goal was prototypical captain serious. Just this is why Jonathan Taves is Jonathan Taves type play. But I would like to talk about Dustin Bufflin as a defenseman because I I think this is how obviously set up this next series coming up as the Blackhawks are now you know gearing up to play the Vancouver Canucks. You know he only played eight minutes and thirty nine seconds of ice time as a defenseman tonight. For those that don't recall, the defensive groups, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, were your top pairing. They were reunited uh, in game two of this series, actually, for the first time in a little a little while. Um, Brian Campbell played most of his time with Nicholas Jalmerson once he came back um, after you know health issues and, and battling back from injury. Uh, and all of those guys I just mentioned played all over 19 minutes in this game. And then Brent Sokol was playing on the third pairing with Dustin Bufflin. And I think a lot of people forget that, you know, everybody I feel like remembers Buff with the Blackhawks as a forward. But Buff was a defenseman when he started out with the Hawks. He was drafted as one. You know, he came up through the system as one. Obviously played late in his career with, you know, Atlanta slash Winnipeg as a defenseman. But, you know, he was – I can't even say it, so I'm not going to. But he was the first Blackhawks defenseman I think that Joel Quenville had in the doghouse. I think that's the best way to put it. I'm not going to use a current day Ooh. past defenseman that was traded away at the deadline, but like he was the true, the first true prototypical offensive defenseman, and just couldn't figure it out in Joel's system because obviously the time on ice shows. You know, he played only eight minutes and 39 seconds, about a minute and five seconds of that was on the power play. You know, he barely played five on five, and in, in this game, and you know. Obviously, I, you know, I, I, I want to precursor it a little bit in a way of like who's suspensive foreshadowing, but like maybe he would be better off as a forward in the first D man to be able to see. You just play. you just stole words right out of my mouth here because I wanted to go to t- Tony's tinfoil hat time. Do um, it, and, and if 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 you listen to Socks on Tap, uh, the first segment of Tony's tinfoil hat time, uh, I talked on Sunday Funday about how. Uh, MLB pitchers electing to have Tommy John right now would conclude with the fact that they won't play baseball season this year. I don't know if you heard that one, Ron, but maybe you should go check that one out. Here's Tony's tinfoil halftime Blackhawks 2010 edition. Joel Quinville and Dustin Bufflin. If Joel Quinville, or, or, or say Dustin Bufflin, had come into this team and expressed the interest in playing forward, he would have been prioritized over others to get onto that third line, and this team would be even fucking better through 2011, 2012, and 2013. That's my tinfoil hat theory, is that if they utilized him as a forward earlier on, he would have been part of this core. Yeah, no, I think I think that's honestly a good point because you think about it this way. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and throw a, a spin zone that I think your tinfoil hat take was was going anyway. But obviously, you know, looking forward to post-cup celebration and post-parade and all that good stuff, this team started to get ripped apart. Andrew Ladd was traded to the Atlanta Thrashers. Um, you know, Christopher Stieg was traded to, I want to say, the Toronto Maple Leafs at that time. Bufflin went with Ladd too, didn't he? Uh, went in a separate trade, but yes. both went to Atlanta. Yeah, and then Bufflin and Sopel went together in a trade to Atlanta. And what I think is interesting is Bufflin, 
I want to say when he got to Atlanta, started out playing forward. It wasn't for very long, though, but he started out playing forward, and then they moved him back to defense, and obviously he became what he became. He became one of the better offensive defensemen in the NHL year in and year out. But that being said, I, I kind of agree with you in that sense of I wonder if, obviously I think they still trade Ladd and, and Versteeg and maybe even Sopel, but I wonder if maybe instead of, you know, because then obviously eventually, I think it was the year after, I think it was after 2011 that Troy Brower was shipped out, um, as well as Brian Campbell. I believe that offseason is when those two were shipped out. I wonder if Brian or uh, I wonder if Troy Brower potentially gets shipped out an offseason earlier, if like you said they elect to keep Bufflin but exclusively play him as a forward, because he the Hawks had have, a ton of success. The Hawks have never been kind to the offensive defensemen. And no. the times that the offensive defensemen have worked are in systems where you have a younger version of Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook because you have that top pair that can get out on the ice and play 25 minutes of lockdown hockey. And you have a solid penalty kill. And you have some depth in your 7th, 8th defenseman. That mm-hmm. can step in and play consistent NHL level hockey. This is what somewhat worries me about a guy like Adam Boquist, Ron. I, I don't know if if you'll agree or disagree here, but the profile doesn't fit typical Blackhawk system hockey, and I don't think that's a Joel Quenville problem to be honest, because you look at what happened with Eric Gustafson this year. You look at what happened kind of with Henry Yokiharyu. I wouldn't say he's the offensive juggernaut that any of these other guys are. You look at Trevor Daly. You look at Michael Kempney. You look at some of these guys who have a little bit more of offensive skill, lack a little bit of that shutdown pairing, and you just kind of see the writing on the wall here. Mm-hmm. The history speaks for itself, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's. That's what scares me about a guy like Boquist right now. No, and I think that's fair because you know I'll, I'll go ahead and, and take what you just said and keep running with it. You know, you look back. You know, and Dustin Bufflin was was kind of at least in this you know Stanley Cup era of Blackhawks hockey that he was the first one. You know, and Brian Campbell, everybody was like, oh well, Brian Campbell was an offensive defenseman. Brian Campbell could play very good defense too, though. Brian, Brian Campbell Cam- was Brian Campbell. In my opinion, in my opinion, Brian Campbell, sport. Brian Campbell was a puck moving defenseman. Fair. I don't think he was an offensive defenseman. He knew how to move the puck. He wasn't a he wasn't a shooter. He wasn't shoot first. He wasn't offensive minded first. He still knew how to play some defense, but his ability on the ice to open up a breakout or open up a play from the back end was bar none the best that we've seen out of any of those cup teams. Yeah, yeah, and he was a lead at it, and that's why you know his point totals year in and year out were so good, is because like you said, he was able to that strategic puck moving, and. You know, so that's why I, I don't include him in this kind of argument. But you look at and you you think Dustin Bufflin, you think Nick Letty, you yes. think 
Cam Barker, who was a guy that was known as an offensive first guy. You think of a, uh, you know, an Eric Gustafson of present day. You think of, you know, a Trevor Daly. You, you know, it, I think here's what I honestly think about it. And I agree with you. I don't think it was a Joel Quenville thing. I think it was a development thing because a lot of times offensive defensemen take longer to develop because they are learning how to play that defensive side of the game. And, you know, truthfully, a lot of people don't realize this, but in a lot of ways, when he was first drafted, Duncan Keith was kind of an offensive defenseman because when he played at Michigan State, he played wing and defense. He played both. But he had multiple seasons in the minor leagues to develop playing in the Norfolk with the Norfolk Admirals, which was the AHL team for the Blackhawks at the time prior to the IceHogs creating an affiliation with them. Um, you know, to that by the time he debuted with Brent Seabrook in 2005, he had three seasons. He was drafted in 2002, three seasons to develop. He developed that defensive game. And I think that that Mike Smith, Dale Talon era of development was much better than the Stan Bowman era of development. So I think that was a big reason for it because you look at every single one of the guys I just named outside of obviously Gustafson because it's just too new. But like, and here's another guy, friend of the show, James Wisniewski was an offensive defenseman. You know, I'll go, let me, let me run down the list real quick and I'll make it, I'll make it as fast as possible. Dustin Bufflin leaves the Chicago Blackhawks, obviously had great success as a forward, turns into with the Winnipeg Jets slash Atlanta Thrashers, one of the better offensive defensemen over a long period of time in the league. Not necessarily top two or three, but very good. He was definitely up there year in and year out. Nick Letty went to the New York Islanders has become their number one defenseman for a lot of years. Um, you know, played with a, a good defensive partner, but has become a much more rounded defenseman that can play good defense and still be an offensive contributor. Um, Trevor Daly. Trevor Daly was always an offensive defenseman, but he was able to go to Pittsburgh, for example, and have success. He had success prior to that in Dallas, you know. So I, that one might have been a little more systematic than anything, but nonetheless still fits kind of the bill. James Wisniewski goes on, has a great career. You look at a couple of those years, you know, prior or after he had left the Hawks and even after he had left Anaheim, you know, when he was with, with Montreal and New York for that, that, you know, split season, I want to say he had almost 70 points as a defenseman, if not more. Um, and then obviously goes to Columbus and puts together a couple of really nice years with the Blue Jackets as, you know, a much more developed defenseman than by that time in his career. You know, it, it honestly is starting to seem like the Blackhawks just don't know how to develop players anymore unless they are truly elite talents. Because you look at a lot of the guys that came through that system, even that contributed to that 13 and 15 team. The guys that were staples, besides for the aforementioned Sharp, Taves, Kane, you know, host the Seabrook Keith group that all developed under that old regime or were brought in via free agency, the only two that really developed into anything at all that Stan Bowman drafted were Andrew Shaw and Brandon Saad. And I think a lot of that was because Andrew Shaw was an overager. He found his niche and stuck to it and became a contributor in that way. And then Brandon Saad was just, I think, a, a value find that they found in the second round because, you know, they gave up on Tuvo 
early, and look what Tuvo Teravainen has become now in Carolina. He's become a legitimate top line, you know, winger. Sure, he wasn't the center that they drafted him to be, but he's still a legitimate, you know, top six NHL player now. Can so we just, ta- can, wait a second, Ryan? Can we talk about if it's Tuvo or Tavo? I thought it was Tuvo. Is it Tavo? Tavo Teravainen. I thought it Teravine? was. I thought it was Tavo. That's what I've always called him. I don't know. That's the first time I've ever heard anybody say Tuvo. That's why I'm asking. Really? Have I been doing it wrong oh. the whole time? How did Pat Maybe Foley it is say Tavo. it? I have no idea, but. Yeah, that's that's a valid question. I have no idea. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. There's a very good chance I'm saying it wrong. But no, nonetheless, tying it all back together. And that's kind of one of the reasons I was very nervous. I know everybody was very gung-ho about him staying up this year with the current Blackhawks. But that's why I was very nervous about Kirby Doc playing in the NHL this year. Because the Blackhawks track record of developing young talent that isn't necessarily elite right out the gate. Because let's be honest, Jonathan Taves. And Taves still went back to college for a year, you know. Kane was really the only top draft pick the Blackhawks have had in recent years that made the team out of camp, aside from Kirby Doc. Kirby Doc is the only other one. That could just be a testament to what Kirby Doc could become in the future, and I hope it is. I hope Kirby Doc becomes an elite NHL forward. You know, but you know, it, it it's really starting to seem like unless these guys are are free agents or were developed under the old regime this current blackhawks regime has had trouble developing players specifically those offensive defensemen because every single time one has come through they leave and they still go on to have a pretty decent career somewhere else sorry that was very long-winded but i hope i ultimately got to the point No, you did. Uh, the, the the development and, and the whole time I'm sitting here shaking my head and I'm like the last few years before um, Jeremy Colleton became the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, I'm sitting there thinking about Jeremy Colleton developing the players and yeah, um, I don't even know if we have enough time to go there. Um, <laughs> we might want to save that for later, but uh, I think we'll, we'll I, save that for another episode. I think my uh, my sentiment right there. Uh, says all that needs to be said for this very moment, Ron. Uh, it's awesome getting to break down meaningful, like just just meaningful Blackhawks games with you. Talk about these winners. Talk about this 2010 team because honestly, uh, I said this with Johnny, and I'll say it again with you. There, you know, if we try and look at silver linings of being stuck at home right now, and there not being any. Uh, sports on um, NBC Sportsnet giving us the opportunity to relive these games um, every other night right now um, I don't know if we would have had the opportunity to go back and, and do this just with, with everything that we do at ONTAP Sportsnet the day to day coverage of all of the live sports that, they're, that are on when they're on um, I really am appreciating the ability to go back and break some of these down, especially with the fact, um, with the current state of the Blackhawks, you know, one of the things that I've said over and over again is I can't wait to break down a Blackhawks playoff series with you guys, with uh, with Ron, with Pat, with Johnny, um, mm-hmm. just the just the four of us to get together and break these games down. We're getting the opportunity to do that right now. Um, obviously I think we'd, we'd all choose to be at the game this weekend together. But like I said, when we first started the show, um, if there's a close second to that, this is what it is, is, is breaking down a cup run. And that's exactly what we're doing right now. So stick along 
uh, with uh, the Four Feathers podcast, Blackhawks on Tap postgame shows. We're going to be doing these after uh, hopefully all of the uh, 2010 Cup run that uh, that we're going to show here. Luckily, they picked the winners, um, so we get to we get to we get to break those down. Uh, we'll be back, I believe. Uh, like I said earlier, I don't know what day it is. Uh, but I'll say in two days um, uh, with the next game, which I believe is the first game of the series against the – Ron, help me out here. Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver Canucks. And I can't wait to make the Blackhawks fans hate the Vancouver Canucks again. Uh, that's one thing that we uh, have uh, always done over at Four Feathers Pod is – Make sure that the Blackhawks Canucks rivalry lives on. And Johnny's done a very good job of that. I've tried to follow suit. Dave Boland hates Vancouver. Let's go win this series in Vancouver, Ron. What do you think? Let's do it. And you know what I think we should also try and do? I think we should try and get our boy Davey Boland on to talk about this Vancouver series coming up because I think he's going to have a lot of meaningful, memorable moments during that series. I absolutely think we should try and get Dave Boland on for this series as well. We're going to actually let's let's put that into action tonight, Ron. Um, I, I really like the idea. Let's get Dave Boland back on to talk about this one. I think that'd be just fantastic. Um, Ron, do you have any closing thoughts for tonight? Uh, my only closing thought is, you know, I, I I hate to be one of those people that's been repeating it, I'm sure. But, you know, stay safe. It, it, try and make the most of this total quarantine thing. You know, uh, we had the opportunity over here at ONTAP Sportsnet to joke about it the other night. But, uh, you know, we, we all got on NHL 20 and, and played for – literally the first time ever that the entire group has been able to get on and play. Um, at least those that have a council, Johnny Nani does not have a council for those that don't know. Um, you know, but Tony, myself, uh, buzz on tap who anybody familiar with on tap sports and it knows who buzzes, uh, juice on tap as well. Uh, again, if you're familiar with our Cubs section, uh, you know, juice is a, a very, no, you know, memorable voice over there. Uh, you know, and, and your, your buddy, you know, Jake Trojan, and uh, who is might as well be an on tap member truthfully at this point, you know, he's, he's uh, been, you know, to plenty of our events and different things like that. So, but you know, all five of us got on and just had a great time and it's, you know, we're just trying to make the most of it. Uh, obviously this sucks, you know, you know, we've talked about it at length off of the air, you know, um, this was supposed to be baseball opening weekend. Um, we were all supposed to be cracking them in, in lot B at the White Sox game on Thursday. Uh, and then I was going to be cracking them with some other people, uh, on Monday in the bleachers at Wrigley. Um, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's unfortunately the, just the state of affairs right now in, in the country. And, um, but don't, don't let it get you too far down. You know, life is eventually going to return back to normal, but let's just enjoy what's going on right now. Let's enjoy reliving this 2010 Cup run in uh, more than just highlights. Truthfully, getting to see the full games and, and experience that action again, and you know, be reminded of how great this team was. You know, find opportunities to you know get on a Skype call or a FaceTime with people that you love and care about and talk to. You know, because then you truly appreciate that connection with people and truly appreciate that. And you know, let's be honest: as soon as sports are back and people can go back in the stadiums again. Those are going to be some of the best atmospheres you're ever going to experience again because people 
originally probably took sports for granted and probably took that social contact for granted. And as soon as it was taken away, you truly appreciate it that much more. So honestly, I can't wait for the first sporting event that I get to go to. I hope it's, a you know, maybe a Blackhawks game. You know, if they do resume the season, I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe it is a baseball game, but it's going to be one of the most electric atmospheres ever because people are going to truly appreciate sports again. So don't get down on yourselves. Enjoy what we have going on. Enjoy these replays of classic sporting events, you know, Blackhawks, especially like we're talking about right now. You know, stay in touch with everybody you obviously care about. And then that way, when this is all over and said and done, just don't ever, you know, don't ever lose sight of that appreciation for the little things, you know, connections with people that you truly care about. You know, Tony here is one of one of my best friends now. And, you know, us not being able to get together and crack them, you know, at a baseball game is 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 a downer. And it's something I'll never, ever take take for granted ever again, um, you know, and just get ready for sports to be back. But in the meantime, let's enjoy the hell out of this 2010 Cup run. Ah, Cheers to that, Ron. Love what you said, every little bit of it. Um, I, I, I really, I really do agree with you that when we finally get back out there, the atmosphere is going to be second to none. Uh, playoff atmosphere at every single game across mm-hmm. America. Uh, I love that. I can't wait for it. Can't wait for that day. Until then, like Ron said, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, thank you for tuning in, uh, Ron. Yeah. I'm gonna let you do the the plugs here start plugging <laughs> start plugging some shit in here ron and then we'll close this one out go right on ahead i know everybody knows what i'm gonna say i feel like buzz and i are just like the the uh you know the honorary plug members of the of the group but do be sure to check out all of our content for ontap sportsnet over at our website which is www.ontapsportsnet.com Yes, ladies and gentlemen, even in this time of quarantine, we still have some type of sports coverage. We have great Blackhawks, Bulls, Bears, White Sox, and Cubs coverage. We are still pumping out content, even in this quarantine hiatus of sports. Um, And guess what? We have also great coverage everywhere else on other things. We have great pop culture coverage, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. We got a Mob Bosses article out there from TV Films, if you want to go read that from our guy Schwartzy. We also have great beer reviews. Obviously, we are on tap Sportsnet. So check out all of that as well. Um, but plenty of great sports coverage. Obviously, you're listening to some of that right now here with this Blackhawks on tap episode. Uh, reliving game six of the Western Conference 2010 quarterfinals for the Chicago Blackhawks. You can also find us on all the social media outlets. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ONTAP Sportsnet. And once again, we are on the interwebs at www.ontapsportsnet.com. The ONTAP Sports Network. Go ahead and check out what is on tap in Chicago sports. Back to you, Mr. Marchese. That's all we've got for tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Like I said, Blackhawks win this one tonight. They're going on. They're going to be facing the Vancouver Canucks. Always great to win a playoff series. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks, baby.